Welcome to the Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast. Let's join our geeky hosts on this week's episode. And welcome to another episode of Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast. The podcast where the geeks drink beverage or two or three Mm -hmm. um, or four, depending on how bad the movie can be. Um, And we discuss our topic of the week. I mean, we'd have to really get into some, like, horrible films at I almost, some point in time. I almost think this might be one of those times where we, when we get to Cocaine Bear. <laughs> I really am excited for I that actually one. am, too. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, I'm your host, Matt. I'm Adam. All right. And before we jump into this week's discussion, let's start off by uh, telling you where to find us, Adam. You can like, subscribe, comment, review... Tell us we look funny. Um, talk about our drink of the week. Talk about our topic of the week. Anywhere on any social media platform at Geek Drink Pod. Yes. Um, we post weekly updates. We're starting to post more things as more geek content comes out. Kind of initial thoughts and reviews. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, we also have a Discord now at Geek Drink Pod as well. And we started a few chats online there. So you chime in. You can chat with us. Give us your thoughts. I know we have a thread going on The Last of Us. We'll have one going on Picard. We'll have one going on our topic of the week. So mm-hmm. jump in and, and give us a little shout out. Chat with us. Yeah. Tell us your thoughts. Yeah. We'd, we'd love to hear it. All right. Well, with all that out of the way, Adam, it's time to talk about our drink of the week. Yes. Grab your beverage and join along as the geeks discuss the drink of the week. This is, we're doing, oh, bourbon and coke. <laughs> Pretty yeah. much what yeah. we're doing. But it's uh, the <coughs> uh, Basil Hayden's bourbon, which actually was a uh, funny story, uh, was the... Bourbon that got me into bourbon. Well, there we go. Um, I just really enjoy it. I think it's got a nice, smooth flavor. It's got a very nice yeah. floral aroma to it for whiskey. Yeah, it's uh, it's very balanced. Well, it's is kind of my... I shouldn't. Yeah, and I shouldn't call it a whiskey because it's really a Kentucky bourbon. Yeah, but eh, we can. <laughs> we're, we're that's semantics at this point, but it. <laughs> It's very smooth, very easy to drink. Um, I kind of always, when I was drinking this more, I'd, I'd always just do it over some ice to, because ice can kind of bring out a little bit more notes and kind of yeah lower the harshness of kind of the alcohol like bite. Mm-hmm. So um, I know there's whiskey purists out there that. Say, oh, you gotta just drink it straight, and you know, I in some whiskeys I'm okay with that. Um, and some whiskeys I just like it chilled. Um, I don't like ice and bad whiskey because then it just makes it last longer. True, <laughs> true. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, Basil, uh, Basil Hayden's, Basil Hayden's, whatever we want to call it, um, has always just been a good uh, go-to uh, bourbon for. Myself and yeah. Matt, so um, 
check it out. And it's actually not bad for the price. So no, it's actually a pretty reasonably priced. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I really like the label, and it's got that kind of balsam wood around it with the with the horseshoes. Yeah, and the little like copper band, or yeah. if it's really copper, it could be Probably brass. Not. Who knows? But <laughs> it, it's just pretty, and uh, yeah, tastes pretty good. So. All right. Check them out. Well, cheers. Cheers, brother. Always really good. Oh, that was delicious. Well, with that out of the way, folks, we've wetted our whistle. We've lubricated our mouth holes. We've become moist. I mean, technically, as a human, aren't you always like 70% moist? Well, I mean, we're mostly water, so I guess. So I'm I'm 70% moist. I just always find it funny when people have that (laughs) weird reaction to the word moist. Um, It's just a word. Yeah. For some reason, it bugs people. (laughs) I don't know why. Yeah. (laughs) What are the geeks going to talk about this week? All right, folks, well, let's dive into it. It's week three of Get February Started Off Right with Edgar Wright. All right, well, you heard it here first, Adam. Edgar Wright Month. Yes. All right, Adam, I'll let you introduce this one. Yeah, so um, I know we talked about uh, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, which was part of the uh, Cornetto trilogy. Um, I know Matt wasn't a big fan of World's End, but I figured we should talk about probably one of his biggest films that he did in a long time. Like, everything almost pales in comparison to just the level of production. I, so, So here's my question. Are you talking about... The biggest films in terms of budget and production, or are we talking about biggest film in terms of reception? Because if we're going to talk about biggest film in terms of budget, yeah, this is up there. But in yes. terms of box office draw and critical acclaim, this is bottom. Yeah, but I, I'm saying like probably more budget. This was okay. like the big, like his big studio yeah. film that he did. And we're talking about, of course, Scott Pilgrim. Versus the world. So. All right. So Scott Pilgrim versus the world. A uh, little little trivia here as we get started into it. It's a 2020 film, um, obviously by Edgar Wright. For once, we're not going to talk about Simon Pegg or Nick Frost or any of the past few characters we've talked about in the last uh, two Edgar Wright movies that we've covered. Correct. Um, we're going to have a American cast, for lack of a better term, just because this is a it's based in Toronto. Yeah, and it's it's a Universal Pictures movie. It's yes. not a British film. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got a a list cast in terms of star power, oh, especially could... if you look at what these people have done up to today. Yeah, you've got Scott Pilgrim played by Michael Sarah. Yeah, who super bad, super bad. You got all these other films that you could. We could go on and on about just Michael Sarah's kind of cinematic I will, history. I will tell you, Michael Sarah's best movie ever, 
um, this is the end with Seth Rogen. <laughs> oh, that one's pretty funny. <laughs> um, I like that one a lot. You've got Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Yes. Uh, Chris Evans, Anna Kendrick, Brie Larson, Allison Pill, uh, Aubrey Plaza, Brandon Routh, Jason Schwartzman, I, Mae Whitman, who you wanted to bring up. Yeah, so um, a lot of people may not know uh, who Mae Whitman is, but that's unfortunate because she is the voice of Katara from Avatar The Last Airbender. and uh, Episode Three yeah. of the podcast, yeah. But you also have like a bunch of uh, cameos in in this film. So you have uh, like Thomas Jane and Clifton Collins Jr., uh, Bill Hader. <laughs> it's like you have these little like kind of these little roles that, for some reason, like Edgar Wright can just attract. I think <laughs> part of it would has to be the success of Shaun of the Dead oh. and uh, Hot Fuzz. Oh yeah, I mean, I can only imagine a bunch of these actors just being like, "Oh yeah, I want to work with them. <laughs> like, I want to work on this project." Yeah, um, you know, I was actually watching prior, just getting ready for this. Um, there is a, a Vanity Fair on the under YouTube channel. They mm-hmm. had a um, little segment with Anna Kendrick, and they're like, "Let's watch some of your biggest films and discuss, you know, your thoughts and feelings about it." And she talked about Scott Pilgrim and and how actually, while it was a fun movie to work on, it was very intense set because of the way Edgar Wright works. Yes, um, you know, he would. I guess his big thing is he doesn't like people blinking on camera. Yes. Well, so. Um... As Matt pointed out in the last or in like previous episodes, I tried to do uh, some film acting. Yeah, and uh, there are a lot of things that they want you to work on when you're trying to be a film actor. Like they they want you to focus on like not blinking. Yeah. Um. They they even say like only look at like one eye when you're doing dialogue because otherwise your eyes are just flipping between that. And so it's kind of, I think it goes along uh, with a lot and of his sort of, I don't want to say running gags, but stuff that makes his films very special, like the long takes, the, all that. And so I think it kind of, it can help when you're, doing that and also I mean this is a film based on what a manga or a graphic novel it's a graphic novel okay um I apologize to everyone out there if I'm I'm not aware but I think to kind of go with that kind of comic well kind of aesthetic he wanted it to be everyone yeah, had their eyes open and doing oh, yeah. that and, sort of thing. I mean, you see that a lot with the with the action in the film and the and the boss fights and the the and battles with the bands. We're, we're gonna know. have to get into like we'll get into that in a second because I'm like this is like an homage to 
video games to comic books to graphic novels to oh, yeah. anime. <laughs> and we've talked about that last week where it's, um, you know, a lot of what Edgar Wright does is, in his films is each film he does is kind of an homage to a certain genre or yeah. a certain style. We talked about it with Scott Pilgrim being the homage, the, the paying tribute to horror movies, zombie movies. Oh, uh, Shaun of the Shaun Dead. Shaun of the Dead, sorry. Yeah. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hot Fuzz is being uh, that tribute to buddy cop movies, yes. action thrillers. Um, this is definitely like a, 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 that tribute to our geek world. Uh, yes. Comic books. I mean, I, I when I watch it, I get a lot of flashbacks and feelings of 1960s Batman. Mm-hmm. You know, the kapows, the... the yes. The action lines behind their heads, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it wasn't a well-received movie. Yeah, well, I think... it's. I, I definitely think it falls in that cult classic genre now. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it's. I felt like it, it appealed well to a certain demographic of people, like, who were, like, into... Um, video games into comic books, like oh yeah, that and sort people of thing. who have read the graphic novel because they're like, I know what this is. They're finally making something I want to see, and, and then that's how it was for also people with hipsters. <laughs> also, <that>? also hipsters. <laughs> it's the, it was pre. I think it's almost a little pre hipster mm. because I don't think the hipster craze really took off till twenty fourteen ish, twenty fifteen ish. That's. But, I mean, I, I'm not a hipster, so I don't know when it started. Yeah, I don't know. All I know is I call him out as I see him. <laughs> Alright. But, no, I think it it was a very niche oh, market, if yeah. you will. And Universal putting a ton of money like into this production, they should have known it might not have been as well received, especially to... Someone who has zero idea about a lot of these things. I yeah. mean, like my my girlfriend had like I made her watch this, um, and she doesn't really care for it. But um, I still love watching it and having fun. It's just goofy, <laughs> and um, yeah, I love the uh, the idea of it's almost Edgar Wright put it as. Um, it's sort of a musical, but instead of a lot of people breaking into songs at times, they have a fight. <laughs> yeah, and it's a, it's a battle of the bands fight. Yeah. Um, but it, sometimes those battles are well, and physical. Think, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I think part of this movie's flaws, and it's not a hot take so much, but it's more of a... They were looking towards making this... And it, it, it might be Universal, it might be Edgar Wright, it could be who knows the producers. But with the casting and the people they casted at the time this came out, I mean, for Michael Sarah, this is just when he his his stock was really on the rise. I mean, he had just mm-hmm. come off of Superbad, Year One, yeah, um, Juno, and so you know Michael Sarah was a an household name more or less. For, especially for our age at that time, in the early 20s, late teens, and it bombed. I mean, it's a, it took in $40 million, I think, worldwide. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not one of those. 
Um, and I, I, I think we've been kind of beating around the bush a little bit about this. I mean, Adam, what are your thoughts? How do you feel about this movie? I love it. It is... It makes me laugh all the time. There, there are certain jokes that keep things fresh every time I watch it. Um, I love Edgar Wright's uh, filmmaking style um, where you have these long takes. You have this dynamic camera work. Um, and then also like an amazing cast. And I guess... Uh, here's where we get to it, Matt. And see, here's where we haven't really disagreed on a lot of things except for our console wars. Yeah. I'm not a fan of this movie. I mean, I like it better than I like End of the World or World's End. Um, and maybe just because of my expectation of World's End being Nick Frost, Edgar Wright back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Simon Pegg, I was just my expectations were a lot higher than what it delivered. But this movie for me, it just it doesn't hit anywhere on my. This is good. I like to enjoy this and watch it, and and I'll watch it over and over again. I've seen it a few times. I watched it this week, leading up to us recording again. Yeah. Um, my wife really likes this movie, and power to you too. But. I'm in the same boat as your as your girlfriend where I'm just like, eh. And, you know, we talked about this before we came to recording. There's not one part or thing I can point my finger to saying, this is why I don't like this movie. It's just, in general, I just don't enjoy it. Okay, well, I mean, as content goes, and everyone has, everyone's a critic, <laughs> um, and... Things affect us differently, but I just remember going to the theater and seeing this film, and I was just like, this is awesome. You know, and I think maybe for me, where I guess a little bit I can point towards is visually the movie just is a little too much for me. It's definitely bright, like a lot more, how do I say it, uh, a lot more like sort of the color saturation is kind of towards the other end where everything is a little brighter. It's, it's a very, little bit yeah. more common. It's a lot more... Yeah. It's got that more... I don't want to say cel-shaded feel to it, but a little bit... It does. I know what you mean. Um, yeah, very bright. But I think part of it, too, and it's part of his tribute to comic books and stuff, is that jump cuts... Right in your face, the kapows, it's just like mm. right there. And I think for me, just as a a little bit more casual reviewer than you are for a lot of things, it was just, I think, oversaturation to my mind. A little. I guess oversaturated could be a good description. Um, but I still love this movie. It is so much fun. <laughs> And that's the thing. I like when I go to see a lot of movies, like sometimes I just want to have a good time. And this was entertaining and funny and all yeah, that. And, and I mean, and I don't think any by any stretch of means you have to go into a movie and it has to be this award winning, critically acclaimed movie for you to get personal joy out, yeah. out of it. 
I know a lot of people who will say they don't like the Eternals from the MCU. And I actually, I'm not crazy about it. I'll watch it. I I was entertained. I just felt it was a little, a little long, long of the tooth. And also, uh, Camille Nanjiani was completely underused in that movie. Oh yeah, he wasn't in the final fight scene. But that's a different story for a different day. Yes. Um, but I mean, you know, and I'm... I'm I'm not taking it away from anybody who does enjoy this movie or enjoy something I don't. Um, you're entitled to your opinions, and as long as you're getting some enjoyment out of it, then, you know, kind of like we talked about last week with uh, Hogwarts Legacy. Yeah. Are you enjoying it? Yes. Okay, then. Cool. Yeah, and I am enjoying it still. <laughs> and, that's, and, and there we go. Um, so, Adam, let's let's talk a little bit about... Just some of the plot themes and some of the, the character journey we see in this yeah, film. Yeah, so let's just kind of start off. If you haven't seen the film, um, it starts off with a 22-year-old uh, Scott Pilgrim, played by Michael Sarah, um, who's in a band. Um, he's the bassist. Um, the Sex bob Sex bob um, And he... Uh, Got out of a really rough relationship, and now he's dating a 17-year-old girl, schoolgirl, Asian schoolgirl, I think they make a point of that, um, but meets um, this American girl uh, called Ramona Flowers, who becomes kind of the point of his affection. And it's, uh, first off, it's all about his relationship with, like, how he handles his relationship with his bandmates, with his friends, his sister, all that. But it turns out, like everyone, we all have baggage. And Ramona has seven evil exes. Yes. <laughs> and they have vowed to kill Scott in very video game kind of fashion. Yes. Like classic old video game fashion. And so Scott (coughs) breaks up with knives, starts dating Ramona, they fall in love, but then these seven evil exes keep coming in and really becomes a thing where... Well, that's the whole plot. He's got to defeat all seven evil exes to be able to date Ramona. Or to beat the level if you will um and so that that's the basic thing behind it and so there's there's a boss at the end who was the last evil ex and um but yeah so it it's all about like they use not only like martial arts fighting to defeat or to fight and do all this stuff but Scott also has to use his wits, um, whether to send Chris Evans grinding down a rail on a skateboard at, uh, what was it, uh, 186 miles per hour, I think is what he hit. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think it was like 300 kph or whatever, but, um, uh, but yeah, so, or tricking... The vegan ex <laughs> Todd Ingram, Todd Ingram, who played uh, played by uh, Brandon Ralph uh, or 
Brandon. Yeah. Brandon. Yeah. Um, so tr- tricking him into drinking half and half. So he loses his vegan powers. Um, so there's, there's a lot of like goofy crap in this movie and like you have to almost, uh, remove yourself and be like, yeah, we're in a video, like we're in a comic book. We're in a video yeah. game. It's not, nothing in here feels like the real world. Yeah. It doesn't have that feel at all. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, it's just funny as hell. And then also like the girl, the 17 year old girl that Scott breaks up with is kind of also sort of stalking him. Um, <laughs> and she's she, blaming Ramona for the for the breakup. But it's like, and getting into the end of the the film, it's like Scott was kind of the the problem. Like he was dating knives while he asked Ramona out and went out on dates with Ramona, and then breaks this poor girl's heart, and this girl's just. Trying to react in a way that a 17-year-old probably would react. I couldn't... I don't even want to know how I was at 20 years ago at 17. Oh, God. And reacting to things like this. Because I look at... You know how you get those Facebook memories and it's like things you posted 20... God, that makes yeah. me sound old saying it 20 years ago. I know. Um, I read some of my like 19, 20-year-old Matt Facebook memories and I go... Oh, how did I ever get a girl? Yeah, it it's one of those things like, I mean, you grow, you develop, and... And you this shudder is, at your past. <laughs> yeah. But also, like, the, if we tie it back into the movie, I mean, it's Scott learning how to... Not be a dick? Not be a dick. To give himself some self-respect. Because he got his heart broken, but it doesn't... It was not the excuse to hurt other people, but I think sometimes people have that problem where they just, you kind of, you don't realize the damage you do. No, you don't. So, um, but yeah, so, back to it, I guess, but... No, I mean, I, I think you brought up a very, a good point, especially, you know, you don't you don't hear a lot of people talk about this movie in that terms of self growth for for Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, you know, you've got him dating a seventeen year old, so she's five years younger. Um, he, sorry, I, I was going to make a very inappropriate comment there, and I decided that I, I went off the, I went off on a different tangent because, uh, yeah, I, I I just went off a different tangent there. You've got. Him dating a, a girl who's five years his younger, she, technically in most days this would be rape, uh, <laughs> but they they're Canadian only, only held hands. That's true, and That's maybe true. maybe got a surprise hug. But I think she does kiss him at one point. She does, just like surprise kiss. Yeah. Um, although I will say, like one of the funniest moments in this film is so Kieran Culkin. Um, Macaulay Culkin's uh, younger brother is in this film and plays Scott Pilgrim's uh, roommate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they live in this like basement. They share a bed. Um, he is very gay. 
um, and makes a point to say that to everyone and also steal Andra, uh, Anna Kendrick's boyfriend. Yeah. And she was for that scene. That's, it's, it's a funny scene. Um, you know, that is one thing I maybe it read me a little wrong at the fact that he's gay. Um, I was never broke enough in college where I had to sleep with another man in a bed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, uh, you don't really know what, like, job... Like, you know that Scott Pilgrim is unemployed. Yeah. He's just a bassist. You don't know what Kieran Culkin um, does for a living. But it's just sort of like, they have this relationship. It's okay. Like, it's totally platonic. It's not... Well, you know, it's funny. Speaking of jobs in this movie. So, Ramona... At the time, it seemed weird. Was an Amazon delivery driver? Yeah, or not delivery driver. She delivered things on rollerblades. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, she was an Amazon delivery person. <clears throat> yes. And now it's just like, where's my Amazon package? I'm tracking your van. <laughs> I, think, I need buy. I need buy stuff. I think they make a joke because uh, Scott trying to meet Ramona. So they meet at a party, and he becomes obsessed. And then trying to meet her again, he orders something on Amazon and immediately is sitting at the door waiting. And, and that is, I mean, they're like, it won't be here till Monday. And now it, I mean, it's, this is 2010. So this is 20, not 23 years ago, 13 years ago. And now it's like, I order it and there's a chance for certain times I'll get it today. Yeah. And if I don't get, and, and I'm the person who shops when I shop on Amazon, which is, Often, I will look for products that I can get on Prime and get my free damn delivery next day more than I'll look for other items and wait. Yes. Which is, a, oh, just funny segue. Do you ever notice, like, for instance, my girlfriend buys something on Amazon, I buy something on Amazon, same day, same time. For some reason, her packages always come, like, hours before mine just a weird segue. I think it and so my brother-in-law is an Amazon delivery driver but he doesn't work for Amazon mm-hmm. so I think that's part of it is Amazon since they don't actually deliver the packages they have all these different contractors throughout the okay. the country they, they have to wear the Amazon uniform and drive the Amazon truck but they're contracted to a different company gotcha so they probably Different company loads up a different truck. Yeah, and I get you. As much as <laughs> it's just weird. Well, and as much as I won't get into specifics of what I do for a living, I can tell you where there's some hiccups and some delays in that process too. All right. Well, let's get back on topic. <laughs> We're talking about Scott Pilgrim, but anyway. So, um, yeah, uh, Ramona. So, and I don't mean this in a bad way. We're not going to slut shame or talk derogatory about Ramona but does she get around I I she I mean, has um, at 22 I mean we don't ever say how old she is in the movie I'm assuming she's about the same age as Scott hopefully hopefully 
I don't think I had seven evil exes at 22. I don't think I have seven evil exes now. And when just... you kind of find out a little bit of the backstory with the seven evil exes, like some of them... Well, Gideon. She... Well, Gideon is... Gideon's the boss fight. Um, but there's other instances where, like with Lucas, with other... Of her exes, she was very flighty. Oh, and yeah. she would be like, oh, I I liked them because I was being kicked <clears throat> on and yeah, this was... person was different. Or, oh, I liked them because he punched a hole in the moon for me. Or, I, and it's sort of... Or, or she is a lesbian ninja. <laughs> <laughs> she was going through a bisexual phase. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, like I said, more power to you. I don't have no, seven, seven, seven evil exes. I have, I know one evil ex. Yeah. Um. But, <laughs> but it's kind of, I feel like the way they kind of, when they give you the backstory of yeah, some of these ones, you kind of realize that, yeah, Ramona's like, I wouldn't say, I'd just say she was more selfish and flighty. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm like I said, we're not going to slut shame her because I don't think that's what she was doing. No. Um, it definitely, she's one of those uh, passion of the moment kind of people. Yes. And kind of almost... And, and if you're a passion of the moment person, I really don't like dating people like that. I'm married now, so it doesn't matter, but... There you go. You people drove me nuts when I was single. <clears throat> yes, but it was kind of... For me, it was like, oh, she... kind of needed something at the time, and... Something made her feel good, and now she's met Scott, and, like, well, with Gideon, like, let's go back to Gideon. Like, Gideon, she says, like, never (coughs) paid attention to her, never noticed her, until she finally was like, I'm leaving you. And then he, then Gideon became obsessed with Ramona, and kept pursuing her. Well, and then... Mind control. Yeah, but it's it's sort of she she got into a toxic relationship yeah. with Gideon and um then she meets Scott and is kind of like, yeah, I want to take things slower and meets a guy who seems nicer and not as controlling of of her. Um and so that kind of is something that's nice, but then, um, and this, this is, we'll hold this for my hot take, but it's like, Scott's not the greatest person either, but he's not that, not that bad. Well, let's, I mean, anything that's now is a good point for us to get into that. Okay. Let's, let's segue into our hot takes. What are they going to say this week? Yeah, so um, I guess my hot take is, uh, is Scott the bad guy? So, I mean, there's, I think there's, there's, it's in the gray. 
I don't think in terms of the overall arcing part of the film, mm-hmm. it's got the bad guy, but he is not a... He's not a good guy. No. I mean, he's a good guy in terms of he's going to vanquish the seven, you know, seven evil exes, but he... But he's doing it for completely selfish yeah, reasons. Yeah, he's doing it for selfish he, reasons. It's, he, he wants to get in remote's pants. Yeah. But for me, it's like Scott leaves a trail. Like, he's not a good friend to his bandmates. He um, He's not a good brother to Anna Kendrick. Yeah, he's not not a good boyfriend to Knives Chow, who is 17 again, <laughs> and he is 22, and yeah, that's kind of weird, um, but he becomes very kind of distant and abusive, and like in a weird way, and then he lies to Ramona and makes her feel guilty about this seven evil exes thing. It's like, you think almost it's like, if you think about the logic of, of the universe, it's like, Oh, you need to defeat my seven evil exes. And if he was doing it for the right reasons, he'd be like, Oh yes, I'm going to be this honorous, like, like honorable guy, like to do this. But no, he's, he's, just kind of complains about it all oh, the yeah. time. Oh, yeah. I mean, by the time he gets to, like, Evil X number four or five or six, and he starts complaining about it to her and questioning her her taste. Yeah. And questioning her her past. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think... And that's kind of... That's not cool. No. And, and going off of your piece, I think you can argue that he is not a good guy because... He's cheating on both Knives and Ramona with they, each other. They bring that up in, at the end. Yeah. And he apologizes to both of them, which was a, a great little moment in the movie. Um, well, and it goes back to that point you talk about character growth. Yeah. But he, like, he makes it so, like, yeah, Knives becomes obsessed with him. And because... And, like, it just becomes this, like, pattern where you kind of almost, like, getting out of a bad relationship, you kind of become a wrecking ball, and you don't notice that you're hurting the people around you, but you do. And, um, I guess, uh, one of the trivia bits, um, so in the, uh, graphic novel... Um, it does. It ends the same way the film does. Scott and Ramona walking off, and they've agreed to date. Yeah, they try to give another try again. <clears throat> and uh, but Edgar Wright apparently wanted a shot it where Scott gets back with knives, and Ramona just is on her own. But it didn't test well apparently. Because people were like, what the heck is going on here? But, um, so they redid the ending where, um... It matches the graphic novel. And so, um... It's almost like I, you kind of... In my opinion, it's like, yeah, Scott tried to make things right. Um, and yeah, maybe him and Ramona do, like, deserve each other. Maybe that, like... They're 
his whole like their kind of love story is great um but it did kind of like i just feel like scott at times was a real prick yeah (laughs) and you can make up for it all you want with cool fight scenes and all that but uh uh just i kind of almost think that he was at times the real villain Oh, I mean, I, I, I mean, Gideon was terrible, but <laughs> like really, really bad. But this was kind of uh, like it was like holy crap! Like Scott, like you gotta like I think if you look at it from like the outside looking in, and you're kind of like you're treating people like shit, <laughs> like skipping out on your band practice so you can hook up. <laughs> no, no, I. I get where you're coming from, and I and I do agree with your thought process on why Scott could be considered not the villain of the film, but a villain mm-hmm. of his own film. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, my hot take is going to be. I think for me, the a the overhype of the movie when it came out, um, and b not enough Anna Kendrick. Okay, <laughs> and I think I, I don't say it like her character had this need to be a bigger role in the movie than she was mm-hmm. but her her comedic timing her just the way her she uses her face especially when <laughs> her boyfriend's stolen it's just it's so good well, I was like, damn it, Wallace, not again. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, no, Anna Kendrick is uh, delightful. Um, she's very good in everything she does. But was this, like, I mean, at the time, and we'd have to probably look this up, like, was she as big of a star as she kind of was? Like, she. This is. So for her, this is. It's right after the second Twilight movie. Yeah. And it comes on the heels of Up in the Air, where she was nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, well, I liked Up in the Air a lot. That was uh, that was a great one. Uh, Jason Reitman, I believe, directed that one. Um, but uh, Yes. Yeah, so... Um, but it's kind of like, yeah, she, she did the Twilight films. She did a few things, but it, I don't think she was as big of... But no. A this draw. Is, this is not her pitch perfect time. Yeah, I think the bigger draw was Michael Sarah and all that. So I mean, and who knows? Like there there could be a director's cut out there, or there could be a million um like a bunch of scenes that we never saw. True, true. So because so, it's like, yeah, she like if you look at kind of her previous work, it's not a whole no, and this is lots to write home about no, and this is the year the year before my favorite Anna Kendrick movie came out. It's time for the geek wreck of the week. What are the geeks going to recommend and what is that one fifty fifty I really liked fifty fifty. All right. I actually uh, the, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Seth Rogen in that were 
hilarious. And also, it was uh, a real, like, heartfelt and... It hits you in the feels. Yeah, so um, we'll get in. We'll just talk. Uh, 50-50 is about uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays a character who... um, Back cancer. He gets a very he's he was always like very health conscious and then he gets a pretty rare form of cancer and they were like you have a 50 50 shot of beating it yeah um and you kind of watch him go through like trying to he goes through the stages of grief yeah grief denial acceptance seth rogan buys you some joints yeah, it just, it's one of those things that was, like, you watch some of it is funny, some of it's heartbreaking. He finds someone he cares about, and, <laughs> and it's Anna Kendrick. <clears throat> yeah, so, anyway, but, great film. I guess that could be my wreck of the week. There watch, we go. Watch, watch 50-50, it's, it's enjoyable. <laughs> Alright, well, let's, uh, I guess... I guess if we're off Rex, I guess we're just gonna are we go just off the rail there? Go off the rails completely. <laughs> I mean, that's that's I think it's a good segue point talking about yeah. Anna Kendrick and Fifty Fifty being your record of the week. Then yeah, if you if you haven't seen it, watch it. It's worth. There it. you go. Um, so my record of the week then nothing to do with any of these actors or. This genre. I'm going to bring up The Bad Batch. You mean Anna Kendrick isn't in The Bad Batch? Hey, we're only halfway through season two. <laughs> Anything can happen. Uh, I guess so. Um, so for oh, those she of you... gets like people blowing her up on Twitter like, when are you going to be on The Bad Batch? And she's <laughs> just like, what the hell? If we have that kind of following, Anna Kendrick, tweet me. Yes. I don't have Twitter, but tweet me. Yeah. <laughs> tweet, tweet the podcast at anyway. Drink Pod. Um, no, so the Bad Batch. Um, for those of you who aren't following the animated side of Star Wars, uh, the Bad Batch is the continuation of the Clone War series. Um, takes place in the formation of the Galactic Empire, um, and the Bad Batch are these four clones who were genetically defective but had desirable traits from the rest of the clones so you have Hunter who can track and hunt desirable and traits you say <laughs> he is uh, so Hunter's one, the leader one had a huge badonk donk I mean Wrecker might uh, yeah so so Hunter has <laughs> they these... don't call him Wrecker for nothing <laughs> oh god uh, where's the, the bourbon button? where's the mute button <laughs> I'm so, just making jokes oh so so uh, Hunter's the leader of the group. He's got hunting and tracking skills. Uh, you have Crosshair, who actually sides with the Empire over the rest of the these guys who are just like, we're not going to be, you know, the Rebellion hasn't started yet. They're just like, we don't agree with the Empire. They, yeah. Their inhibitor chips didn't work, so they didn't kill any any. Because that, that was a question, and I mean, I'm a, I'm a little behind, like, on, like, I haven't really... Finished Clone Wars. I'm trying to get through Rebels, but apparently, like the clones had some sort of like chip, or uh-huh. so it made it so when Order sixty six 
They was, were com- they were compelled. They were compelled to follow it. Yep. Um, so I'm kind of like, well, did, like, did it not work for certain ones? Like, so without giving you way too many spoilers for you, so um, the Bad Batch have them, but because of their genetic modifications, they're resistant to it. Okay. Rex from Clone Wars. Yeah. Um, has his removed. Got um, it. by Ahsoka. Um, and one of the last kind of plot threads of Clone Wars is Fives, the ARC Trooper, mm-hmm. gets wind of this whole plot that Palpatine had these things installed in her head mm-hmm. when they were created, and one of his teammates actually gets hit in the head during a firefight and kills a Jedi because he hears Order 66 in his head even though it hasn't been issued yet. Mm-hmm. And so it's a whole conspiracy theory and Palpatine kills... The clones um, okay. who know about it to keep the conspiracy going because he doesn't want his hand to be revealed at this point. Um, so these clones all have these genetic modifications. Wrecker is like three times bigger than any clone and can like carry everything. He loves explosives, and they adopt a young girl who is a unmodified, unmodified Jango Fett clone, but she's female. Okay, so she's like Boba Fett, but a girl. Okay. Um, but she's also like ten in the, in the series, so that's, it just follows their exploits of. All right, let's. Uh, we don't want to be part of the empire. How do we make it? Our, how do we make our our way in this universe without you know. Being part of the clone army and and, and joining the empire. Very Firefly. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> um, it's got uh, Raya Perlman as their uh, point of contact for odd jobs they do. Mm-hmm. There's an episode where they rescue and bring Jabba the Hutt's Rancor from Last Jedi or from uh, Return of the Jedi when he's a baby Rancor. (laughs) Baby Rancor. Yeah, they capture him and bring him to Jabba the Hutt so it's got some tie-ins to the... Is a baby Rancor cuter than a baby Yoda? No. Oh. (laughs) It's just smaller. I got excited. (laughs) And way still drooly. Okay. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so we're halfway through season two now um, and that's, that's my rec this week. Okay. Oh, once I get caught up on everything, it's, yeah. <laughs> there's there's a lot going on. There's a lot of content out there. I mean, I still haven't caught up on Andor. I need to. Yeah, I uh, I did see the um, whatever uh, Werewolf by Midnight, the MCU. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen that one yet. Here's good. It's very good. It's uh, um, uh, Michael. Gawachino, the composer, mm-hmm. is actually the director of it, and it's very enjoyable. So, I, I just check it out. Werewolf right. by Night, sorry. But, uh, check it out. It's, uh, I guess that's uh, a bonus <laughs> wreck. But, that's okay. Um, but, yeah, definitely a great cast. You have um, uh, Gael Garcia, Bernal, um, Playing the main guy, yeah, but Jack uh, Russell, yeah, but it's just fun, funny, very bloody. I, I would think so. I'm gonna have to check it out. <laughs> Thank God it's a, most of it's in black and white, but um, it's definitely uh, a little bit more. If if you think about like the old Netflix Marvel shows, like how they were a lot more violent. Oh yeah, like the Defenders and, and Nick Cage. Daredevil and or Luke Cage. Luke Cage, Jesus, Nick Cage. <laughs> Nick Nick Cage. <laughs> Nicholas Cage. <laughs> but um uh 
Speaking it's, of Nick Cage, I do want to see that vampire movie he's in. Oh, uh, Renfield. Yeah, that Renfield. Looks, that looks funny. Um, you got Nicholas Holt in that one, too. but um, And Aquafina. She is delightful. <laughs> I like her. She's fun. I liked her I in Shang-Chi a lot. Oh, she was probably one of my favorite parts of Shang-Chi. Yeah. So. We have gotten off topic again. That's okay. Um, I think we'll just we'll just call it call it quits here, folks, um, and wrap it up. Yes. Um, but before we go, we want to make sure you guys, uh, like I said, follow us, like, subscribe, comment on all of our social media platforms at Geek Drink Pod. Yeah. Let us know your thoughts of Scott Pilgrim saves the world or versus the world. Yes. He doesn't save the world. He fights the world. Yes. Um. Yeah, let us know your thoughts. Tell us if you are a big fan of it, like Adam, or if you're kind of like, eh, like me. Yeah. Um, either one's acceptable. Funniest moments you think of, great lines, whatever. Yeah. And, um, you know, before we wrap it up, make sure you tune in next week. We're going to wrap up our right month with Baby Driver. Yes. Um, in my opinion, Edgar Wright's masterpiece to date yeah i haven't seen the no neither have i but i mean last night was huge but i to be honest i think baby driver is a perfect film spoiler alert but i i will adam will die on that that adam is adam is teasing your your ear holes for next week oh god and don't don't uh, bring up Kevin Spacey or now Ansel Orgut is getting like weird accusations. You know, oh, we picked a weird film to talk about. It is, and we'll get into it next week. Um, but thanks again, folks, and make sure you tell a friend to listen to our podcast, and yeah. especially tell your friend if they have seven evil exes. Yes. Yeah, and tell those seven evil exes to also listen to the podcast, and then they can tell their seven evil Is exes. It, so instead of like six degrees of Kevin Bacon, it's seven degrees to an evil ex? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, geeks. We hope you have a great geek week. Yes, take it easy, friends. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast. Tune in next week to see what our geeky host will discuss next week. Goodbye.